Football Social Daily. Premier League update. This is Football Social Daily from the Sport Social, the only daily Premier League podcast. You just go and try and find another one because you won't. It's Friday and we're going to gear up for the weekend with a preview of tonight's Premier League encounter on the South Coast. It's Southampton versus Bournemouth in Friday night football. We're going to be taking a look at last night's Europa League action for the Premier League teams. Arsenal, Manchester United both doing it with the kids, but Wolves, they've taken their wobbly Premier League form into Europe. And as it's the weekend, we're going to be getting our usual spot on fantasy football tips from our resident expert, Kieran Howley. We'll do that very shortly. In the studio with me, I've got Fergal Brennan and Marley Anderson. Gentlemen, hello, hello. hello. So let's kick off with last night's game. Wins for Manchester United and wins for Arsenal in the Europa League, both relying on some leading performances from their youngsters. Let's look at Arsenal first. 3-0 win, away from home, against not the strongest opposition, but you take that, Fergal. Yeah, most definitely. I think when you look at the first half performance, it was a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow to get started, and Frankfurt were actually unlucky, probably not to score once or twice in, in the first 20 minutes. Um, Emiliano Martinez, who's stepped in for Bern Leno, is he's going to be the cup and the Europa League goalkeeper this season, and I was quite impressed with him. Um, a man you'll know very well, Sebastian Harler, who's now at West Ham. Mm-hmm. I think they're really struggling without him for that kind of sharpness up front, and that was probably what saved Arsenal until they finally managed to get going in the in the second half. We've seen a couple of young players this season, Joe Willock and Reese Nelson. Uh, Nelson. Willock started last night. Uh, Nelson struggling with a little bit of an injury; he didn't play. Um, and Joe Willock scored a little bit of a fortunate goal, but for me, obviously. Young players are going to be the focus in the Europa League for Arsenal mm. this season. And it was all about Bukayo Saka. Um, everyone, Man of the match for him. Everybody loves to be that person in their club to go, listen, guess who we've got? And they, they love to have that little that mm. little word on someone. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know whether he would thank me or, or praise me, but I'm kind of dining out on the fact that I spotted Ainsley Maitland-Niles before a lot of other Arsenal fans. They had their eyes on other players. Um, and Maitland-Niles is now a first-team relative regular, albeit in his unfamiliar position. And I think Saka is going to be the next one to kind of come off the conveyor belt. Really like him. He's quick, makes the right decisions in the right areas of the pitch. Got his goal last night. But just that calmness for, for such a young player to be in a situation in a Europa League game against, a, you know, a a fairly major side in Bundes in Bundesliga football in Frankfurt, but he was so calm on the ball, always looked to take the right option, linked up really well with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and I'm really excited to see what he can do this season. How much Premier League action he'll get, I'm not too well, sure, but I do like him. Is like, how much chance will he get in that Arsenal team? If he was a good defender, he would be straight in the Arsenal <laughs> well, squad yeah. at the moment. But, but the fact he's Arsenal com- don't like good defenders. Yeah. <laughs> he's competing yeah. against probably. He'd be sold the, if he was a good defender. He's competing against one of the probably the best attacks. In yeah. the Premier League at the moment, certainly up there with the front three that Arsenal have got. Is he going to get his chance? People last night were saying he's looking better than Pepe. I, I, as I say, I do like the look of him, but I just think, given the pressure that Emery's under in terms of Premier League football to to get into the top four and, and secure Champions League football again, I don't think he'll take an enormous amount of chances in in Premier League football by bringing Saka uh, in. Despite the fact that I might want him to play mm. defensively, yeah, you're dead right. If he was if he was a young centre back coming through. I'd love to see him playing, but based on Emery's criteria for centre halves, as I say, he'd probably sell him. You know, we, we are we are the absolute epitome of Ferrari up top, Ford Fiesta at the back, <laughs> which is probably a bit of an insult to, to Ford and to Ford Fiestas. But um, I'd like to see him play a bit. I think he'll be the next one after Nelson and uh, and Joe Willock to play. Mm. But I think it's going to be a lot of. League Cup, FA Cup, Europa League for him. That's enough positive about Arsenal. Let's start <laughs> ripping them to shreds, just like the opposition do at the back. Uh, because it was an amazing stat from the game that despite 
winning 3-0, Arsenal let Frankfurt have 24 no. shots on goal. That's eight more than Arsenal managed in the entirety of the game. And only a few less than they let Watford have at yeah. the weekend. They had 31 shots on goal. <laughs> oh, this isn't... It's not sustainable for Arsenal it's to t- let... It's Other terrifying. Teams have that many sites and two not great teams as well. Yeah, no, it's absolutely terrifying, and we were saved by the fact that Watford and Frankfurt, you know, attacking wise are maybe not the sharpest teams you'll come up against. But giving away five shots, giving away games. no, no. Listen, I, I am not for a second going to stand here and, and defend people. And it's such a strange scenario where we go forward and you think oh, there's a goal, but the the feeling when a ball comes over the back of that Arsenal defence, I just I, like I, I I'm paralysed. I don't know whether to cry. I don't know whether to not look. I, don't, I just don't know what to do and and it's not sustainable for, for the mm. course of the season and it's such a mad mad setup we had Granite Shaka after the Watford game coming out and criticising his teammates saying nobody wanted the ball and people were scared and it, it's just bizarre it's like time and again Shaka's let Arsenal down when they've needed him bizarre decision in my opinion to give him the captaincy uh, I think it's probably more a case of that there weren't really many other experienced heads to give it to um, but yeah it's such a strange situation and unfortunately for Arsenal I don't see many signs of it evening itself out in in the weeks to come. What do you reckon though, Marley? Is that Arsenal through? I mean, that was their tough game out of the Europa League group, basically, and they managed to get through with the kids. You'd yeah. think the rest would be a cakewalk, wouldn't you? Yeah, I was um, I was quite surprised it was 3-0. Uh, I thought it would be really tight. I thought I actually fancied Frankfurt to uh, to do something against Arsenal on their own patch at, uh, at last night. But... Uh, you know, the, you said they had 20, 20 odd shots. If they'd had Jovic and Haller like like they did last season, Arsenal would have lost about seven nil with that defence. But mm. luckily, Frankfurt have gone through a fair bit of uh, upheaval in the summer. They sold Jovic to Real Madrid and they sold Haller to West Ham for a combined ninety million. They signed uh, Baz Dost and Andre Silva, who are good strikers, but they need time to gel. Mm. And I think if they'd gelled, if this had been later in the season, it could have been. A completely different story, but you know, it wasn't. If my granny had balls, she'd be my granddad. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? You know, it didn't. It just didn't happen like that. And Arsenal took the goals well. Uh, Saka, 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 sorry, scored a a great goal. Um, made the other two as well. His yeah. third one that mm-hmm. he, he tackled and put Aubameyang through for was excellent. Um, but yeah, that defense still needs work because conceding twenty odd shots. Martinez, luckily for them, had a good game. And Leno's been having decent games as well all season as well, so they, they really need, they need to sort it. that out. Before <laughs> we move on to Manchester United and Wolves, interesting rumour that's doing the rounds in some of the tabloid papers this morning that Stan Kroenke's basically ready to abandon Arsenal's financial structure and forget the self-sustaining mm. club thing and just plough a load of his own money in to strengthen the team in the winter, in the January transfer window. This is probably what Arsenal fans have been crying out for, isn't it? It is and it isn't. I think the issues that Arsenal fans still have with Kroenke aren't going to go away. Uh, yeah, if he ploughs all this money in, but I think most Arsenal fans will be of the opinion they'll believe it when they see it. You know, there's been false dawn after false dawn with regards to Kroenke and whether he's staying, whether he's going, whether he's putting more money in. Um, and I would be, I'd be taking a lot of this with a fairly big handful of salt right. in terms of what he's going to do. Um, in terms of abandoning the, the financial structure, would I be in favour of Arsenal having more transfer funds available? Yeah, of course. Do I think it's going to happen under Kroenke? Probably not. Right, let's talk about Manchester United. Completely different story to Arsenal. They were at home against FC Astana. Is that how you pronounce it? I believe so. FC Astana. I don't think you know it with that particular accent, but it's somewhere <laughs> close to it. Do oh, yeah, you in your Kazakh accent? <laughs> if you're an Astana fan, that's how you say it. <laughs> they had a load of chances last night and in the end just got the breakthrough thanks to another youngster 
Mason Greenwood, who was much hyped pre-season, but maybe hasn't found his feet in the first few weeks. Is this a sign of things to come for the youngster? It could be. He took his uh, he took his goal pretty well. Uh, keeper should have probably done a little bit better, but his uh, his main thing, his his main strength is the fact that he's completely two footed. Like he's got, mm-hmm. he can go either way, left foot, right foot. I've seen him score free kicks with left and right foot. I've never seen anyone ever do that before. No. Possibly, I think Teddy Sheringham might have did it once, but this kid's like he's got all the talent. It's just he needs to use that Europa League platform as a stage now because playing against Astana and Alkmaar and Partizan, they're going to be games that he'll fancy making a name for himself in. And also they'll be tough. Like when when they go to Partizan, that is a character building Mm. exercise and the rest of it because, you know, going away to an atmosphere like that is going to really sort of help him come along as a player and help help him sort of really bed into the first team and think, right, this is is what it's all about now. Because unlike Arsenal, Man United haven't got that many options in terms of strikers. They sold, obviously, Lukaku and Sanchez left. Now they've just got Martial, Rashford, and then it's down to Greenwood. There were some really interesting comments from Solskjaer after the game, actually. And he kind of suggested, I don't think he said it in as many words, but he kind of suggested that Greenwood's form was making his decision to offload Sanchez and Lukaku look like the right decision, basically validating that. It's too early to make that kind of call, though, for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, the goal last night and the fact that United fans do rave about him, his, his performances for the underage sides, but this idea that he's in a position to step in for Lukaku or for Sanchez, probably really not for Sanchez. I mean, considering the amount of football Sanchez has played in the last six months from Man United, mm-hmm. it is a Lukaku uh, swap. So I think if that's what Solskjaer was hinting at, I think that's a very dangerous game to play in at this stage. Um, I think Lukaku moving on, moving away from Manchester United was the best thing for all parties concerned. But there is still a kind of a, um, a goal level that he does guarantee uh, whichever side he plays for. And, and I, you know, I think he'll he'll get X amount of goals for Inter Milan. It's an enormous amount of pressure to be thrown onto Greenwood, considering the fact that the players around him are by no stretch experienced. Rashford, Martial, we mentioned, but they're not seasoned um, European level players, Premier League level players. They've had a few seasons, but they're not the level of experience of a Sanchez or a Lukaku. And you look at Rashford in the game last night and his season so far, and you kind of wonder maybe he just needs to be dropped back, have a few games on the bench, maybe being given a rest, because he doesn't look sharp. He missed a load of chances last night, but he can't because there are no further options. Mm. Martial's still injured for the weekend ahead, I think, and there is just... there. The cupboard is bare yeah. as far as Manchester United and striking options is concerned. And that's going to come home to roost as the season goes on, young players or not. Well, I think it's weighing <clears throat> so I think it's weighing on his shoulders from the start of the season, signing the new contract. We, we've chatted about it on the podcast quite a few times. How would he react? Would it be a problem for him? And I don't think it's necessarily affecting his, his actual performance, but his, his mental position, it does seem to be affecting. He doesn't seem to be as confident mm. he doesn't seem to be as willing to take the ball you know you think of Rashford from last season he was really bright he was constantly on the half term looking to receive the ball from midfield now he realises with that contract with this kind of elevated status within the squad that brings with it a certain level of responsibility and a certain level of um, of demand on him in terms of his output Get a hat-trick this weekend against West Ham now, <laughs> won't he? That's exactly what's going to happen. The final European game last night for the Premier League teams was Wolves. Less success for them at home to Sporting Braga. And it's panning out exactly how everybody predicted this season would 
for Wolves at the beginning of the season yep. that the whole qualification for the Europa League that started, I think it was July 2001, the qualification <laughs> process started for the Europa League. And they've just made it into the proper Europa League now and they've started off with a defeat. It, but that combined with their Premier League form, which has not matched last season at all, they, I think they're still yet to win. Yeah, yeah. Is it in the Premier League? Three draws and two losses. It's, it's not looking great for Wolves, is it, this season? And it looks like the Europa League just might have been a step too far too soon. Looks like it, doesn't it? I mean, Braga aren't a bad team. They're really not. Uh, they're probably the fourth strongest uh, team in in Portugal. I think in the, in the, they've not been doing very well in the league either this season. I don't think. Um, but you look at the teams um, Wolves beat to get to the uh, Europa League. Mm. Torino are a very good team, mm. and they turned them over home and away. But that was the only real challenge, wasn't it? The other one was Crusaders, I think they faced in one yep. stage. Yeah, but I mean, they played Torino on the start at the start of the Premier League season as well, like after the first game, I think it was, and they did, you know, they, they turned them over, and it was like, all right, maybe they they are equipped because they've got they've got a fairly decent sized squad. Mm. They've signed another striker. They've signed a couple of other centre backs and. Then they just got picked off by Braga, and I was like, I didn't, I'd, I'd have kind of expected that result in Portugal, mm. but not, not at Wolves. It's part of the problem, though, the fact they have brought these new players in because they had a very settled lineup yeah. last season. It could well they be they weren't making those changes. It could well be because you know you play twice a week, you, you have to bring in new players, but as well, it's that it's getting that balance right super quick because they've only got probably like they're probably losing two or three training sessions a week mm. because they're playing a game instead. So. If you get six days to prepare for, you know, Man United one week and then, you know, Sheffield United the next, for example, it just, it completely gets interrupted by the fact that you've got to travel to somewhere in the Europa League. You've got to prepare for Braga, who you've never played before. Yeah. You never, you never heard about them sort of thing. You've never analysed them. You don't know what the strengths and weaknesses are. That probably takes half a day. You've got to brief your players. They've got to learn about their new guys they've never played against. And it's just... It's a lot more work and Wolves are finding out the hard way, I think. Nuno Espirito is not shying away from there being issues. He said after the game, we need to react immediately. We have to take decisions and find solutions for the team because we have to come out of this situation and improve our performances so we can bounce back. Here's a $6 million question. How do they do that? <laughs> uh, I think when you look at the way they were last season, they, they were a really, really good at executing a 3-5-2 formation mm. and making it work. I think what's happened, and Marley touched on this, of the players that have come in, they have to get used to new players, they have to get used to a new system. A three-five-two is a is a rarity in European football. The players that they've bought in are having to spend, normally would have an entire pre-season to get used to playing in a system that maybe they weren't familiar with. That hasn't been the case because, as you say, they've been playing qualifying games for over a decade, so they haven't had that opportunity to have training sessions and, and you know get settled into a new system. And I think... What's worrying for me when I look at Wolves is the kind of solid citizens in the team since they got promoted are a little bit of an issue. And, and the big one for me in the last few weeks has been Connor Cody. Captain, really, really strong performer for them last season. For me, him and Harry Maguire were the best two centre-backs outside top six. Mm. Um, real leader, good on the ball, good defender. Um, and, he, and he's really struggled in the last few games. He got done by Abraham I think for two, if not all three of Abraham's hat-trick goals last weekend. And then last night in the Europa League, he found it really tough going. 
and his his confidence seems to have been knocked, particularly because he's finding himself in a situation whereby his players around him are getting moved around a lot. Willie Bolly's been suspended and, and he's had to bring in Jesus Pacheco. They've had issues with, with Ryan Bennett. He's had injury problems. So things are getting moved around in the wing-back positions. Matt Doherty's been injured. They've had to play Adama Traore, who is like an Olympic sprinter going one way and like a schoolboy defender going the other. So Cody's having to kind of shoulder all this and it, and it seems to be taking its toll on him a little bit. And particularly against Chelsea, Abraham for, I think it was his second goal where he got it, knocked it out of his feet and he just... He just did Cody. Cody couldn't react. Last season, you'd, you'd expect Cody to be a bit sharper on his feet. And for me, that, that spells a bit of a, a problem for Wolves. If you've got your captain, one of your most consistent performers, that is, his head seems to be down at the moment and seems to be struggling to cope with the demands of playing in all these competitions. We're going to talk in a moment about Friday Night Football. It's back. There's a game tonight. It is the Battle of the Titans, the <laughs> one we've all been waiting for, the South Coast Derby. Bournemouth versus Southampton. We'll be previewing that very shortly. And if you haven't made your fantasy football fiddles yet, if you haven't tripled your captain or made your substitutions, we'll be getting some fantasy football tips from our very own expert, Kieran Howley, as well. We'll do that in a minute on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Sports Social. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. Don't forget you can get updates on your team every single day of the Premier League season via our Sports Social skill. If you want to find that, just say Alexa, open Sports Social, pick your team to your Alexa device. Let's crack on with tonight's football, though. It is Friday Night Football, which I've got to say, I'm not a massive fan of Friday Night Football. And I'm not 100% convinced that there are going to be many people, many football fans, upsetting their weekend plans for the game that's been picked for tonight. It is Southampton versus Bournemouth, the South Coast derby. But we've got a guest on that hopefully will be able to change my mind and convince me it's going to be a uh, a rooting tooting game or something along those lines. Anyway, got Freddie from the Ugly Inside, the Southampton podcast on the line. Hey, Freddie. Hey, chaps. How's it going? Not too bad, thanks. Convince me that this is going to be a game worth watching because I'm failing to get excited at the moment. Uh, well, to be honest, there's been goals in every sort of recent meeting. I mean, last week, last season's example, 3-3, with both managers changing the tactics in play. So I think there's going to be plenty of goals. Bournemouth, however, don't like playing at St. Mary's. They haven't won down here in four fixtures. And, uh, uh, you know, I think we go to the top of the statement at the top there. Uh, I'm going to address that. It's not a South Coast derby. The real one is Tuesday night. <laughs> the Portsmouth game in the uh, in the League Cup as well. Is that where the focus is going to be? Do you think for fans and for players then ahead of this one? Fans, most certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, actually, I spoke to a Bournemouth fan uh, earlier this week, and it appears that they are still trying to manufacture a derby out of this this uh, this, this fixture. Um, to be honest, we, we don't really care too much about Bournemouth. You know, we've always seen them as sort of like a little brother, and it appears that the Bournemouth fan base seems to be uh, annoyed and quite upset about how we sort of seem to be patronising them and saying, "Oh, well, they're there. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you'll be okay," sort of thing. Um, but the focus, most importantly, for the fans is the big one Tuesday you know it's been seven years uh, we can't wait to see Portsmouth fans frothing at the mouth trying to reach us uh, on Tuesday night <laughs> I predicted at the beginning of this season that Southampton were going to find it quite tough you were one of my three to go down I'm ashamed to say but it looks like Ralph Hafson Hootle has done really well this season he's continued the form from last season and I guess there must be a certain amount of optimism down there at the moment yeah, I mean, so there's a feel-good factor now back at the club, actually. You know, he, uh, for example, first home game last season bought us all a beer, so we're immediately on, on side. And that was around sort of Christmas time, first home win. 
Uh, in fact, against the top six side, Arsenal, last season, and then a, a fantastic victory against Tottenham last season at home as well. So he's finally uh, actually sort of got the players to play for him. He's got the personnel playing in his in this formation that he's been desperate to play, which is this 4-2-2-2, kind of progressive, high-pressing uh, tactics sort of formation in the game. And uh, everybody's all on board. Uh, Ralph is, is, is picking up points. You know, it's been a steady sort of, uh, uh, I guess, above average start to the season. And uh, we're enjoying the Ralph Express, the train ride to the top <laughs> ten. Um, hi, Freddie. One of the issues that has kind of occurred in the first few games of the season has been a lack of goals or a lack of goal threat. Musa uh, Dinjepo has been the main man in recent weeks. He scored a bit of a banger against Brighton in a, well... You might call it a derby, you might not call it a derby. You, you know, you've been educating us, much like Niall McCorn's been educating us over the last few weeks about what a real South Coast derby is. Where are the goals going to come from if he, as expected, doesn't play this weekend? Yeah, he is a doubt, and it's a, I think he will be a miss. He's picked up this sort of muscle injury where he sort of uh, uh, missed out on the well, the first half of the Brighton game, but came on and made a huge impact, immediate impact, and a fantastic goal to boot against uh, Sheffield United last weekend. You know, uh, dummying, actually uh, shrugging off to the defender, defender to play the advantage, and then he proceeds to put another Sheffield defender on his bum and then slides it away, something out of Matthew Cizier's DVD. But... Um, Gineppo, yeah, he's been a he's been a breath of fresh air since he's uh, been appearing in the shirt. Uh, we hear that Nathan Redmond could well be back in the squad this uh, tonight, uh, and you know certainly the star man last season, player of the season, he's the threat going forward. But I think we also have to highlight also the the, the work off the ball that perhaps Danny Ings and Shea Shea Adams haven't scored. Uh, well, Danny Ings only scored one, and that was off a deflection off Adrian's clearance. But the work they do off the ball often goes unnoticed and. It's almost they almost become sort of unsung heroes to the team. Shea Adams will get there. He hasn't scored yet. Fifteen million pounds in the summer. Twenty-two years old. Scored loads for Championship last season. He's hit the post. He's denied by a fantastic save last season. And we all firmly believe that he'll get there. And I still believe that he'll get double figures this season too. Freddie, cheers for coming on. Really appreciate it. Good luck for the weekend, and more importantly, good luck for next weekend for the proper derby as well. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, boys. Cheers, Freddie. That's Freddie from the Ugly Inside Southampton podcast. For Bournemouth, Freddie covered the Southampton injury news there. For the Bournemouth, there there is no injury news. It seems like they've got a full squad to pick from. Simon Francis and Lloyd Kelly are back in. They've had runouts with the kids this week. How do you see this one going? I think, as you say, Eddie Howe's had rough luck with injuries so far this season and it's slowly starting to, to turn back round for him. Um, one of the interesting things from their win over Everton last weekend was... He gambled when Marco Silva didn't. He made his substitutions at the right time and looked to change and looked to affect the game in the second mm. half rather than playing for a draw. And, and ultimately that, that swung the game in their favour and, the, and he picked up a win. Um, the injuries obviously have been the main talking point. You speak to any Bournemouth fan, they'll say, you know, we've had no luck. The minute one player gets injured, another one gets injured. Um, and they have been dropping like flies. Once that turns itself around, I fully expect Bournemouth to do a Bournemouth and be absolutely fine. In terms of the the game, do you know what? We've been calling it a derby. After after that little bit of an education from Freddie, I don't, don't want to use the word derby. Just say the match, the clash, yeah. the clash. Um, I just think their record at Southampton is, is quite poor. He mentioned they, they haven't won there in the Premier League. 
And I, I haven't can... lost that many times either, though. No, I think like four yeah. out of the last five games have been draws. Am I allowed to sit on the fence on this one, go for a draw? Yeah, I just think, like I, think <laughs> option. I think both of them are not really got going so far this season. Hassan Hootel, like as you said before, Jim has kind of made Southampton a bit more resolute. Um, and as Freddie said, they're very hard working up top, but maybe don't carry mm. enough of a goal threat. And I think for Bournemouth, this is going to be another step on the road, get players back and, and just don't get beat. Seems like an interesting statement that doing a Bournemouth and being safe because that <laughs> it's a team that we keep on expecting to step step up a gear and kind of mm. kick on and become maybe challenging in that secondary league, yep. but they just don't seem to be able to take that step up at the moment. The ambition doesn't quite seem to be there. Yeah, I think the ambition will be matched when they get the uh, away form sorted. Um, usually, you know, Bournemouth play the same sort of way every week to play well. They get it down, pass it around, high tempo, that kind of thing. Um, and it works at home. But when when it's away, they need a way of grinding things out and and sort of making it safe at the back. And then, you know, using using the threats like Fraser and Wilson and uh, Brooks when he's fit um, to to unlock teams. But I think tonight, I think Southampton have been good enough to cause them problems especially on the on the home ground I think if, if it was at Bournemouth it'd be a, a home banker but at Southampton I can see it being a draw but if anyone wins I think it'll be Southampton Let's talk fantasy football then and because of Southampton Bournemouth it means there's an early deadline for making your transfers I think it's 7 o'clock this evening which is Friday evening you need to make those transfers but before you do you need to listen to the wise words from Kieran Howley who's our fantasy football expert at the Sports Social Impressive hit rate for you so far, Kieran. And I have to say, last week we had a stand-in who said picking any Chelsea players was a mistake, which caused me to move my, <laughs> caused me to move my captaincy away from Tammy Abrahams. Oh, no. So completely did me in. Completely did me in last week. So I'm hoping your advice is going to be a little bit better this week. So who are we going for in fantasy football world? Well, I'm going to try and go against the grain this week. So there's uh, you'll, you'll see in sort of the transitions what players are going out, who's making the moves. There's uh, understandably a lack of confidence in the City backline at mm-hmm. the moment. So everyone with Laporte who thought that Otamendi or Stones might be a stand-in, suddenly one of them disappears. Um, it suddenly turned into abandon hope or ye enter on the City <laughs> backline. And so you're getting a, a sort of template team rolling out where most people have used uh, that extra City player to bring in an extra City attacker uh, lining up with the front three. So I think the most common now is Sterling, De Bruyne and Aguero. Aguero being rested mid- uh, midweek obviously gives yeah. a strong fixture going into Watford. But I say ignore what everyone else is doing. Become the even, differential. Even though Watford are kind of Watford are really leaky at the moment, they're conceding a lot of goals. Mm. Yeah, they hit mm. thirty-one shots against Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> that's ring that up again. That's ring that up again. Yeah, but I, I I think there's an opportunity here to get ahead of everyone else, uh, and I think most people start doing this in a week or two. But um, this player only has 0.2% ownership. And so if you can get in there and he gets a result, then you're really stealing a lead on everyone else who's going in. Um, and when everyone else is moving away from the City back line, I think with uh, that left-sided centre-back suddenly becoming a lot weaker and you're needing a lot more power and pace on your left wing, those only just coming into it, I think Benjamin Mendy is a good guy to jump in before anyone else. At that 0.2%, he's already gone down, so he's at 59 instead of 6 only a tiny saving but gets you the steal on everyone else. If he comes in with an assist and a clean sheet, then you're getting in with 12 points ahead of everyone else's zero. And he does like an assist as well in the games that he plays in. Yeah, When he's playing, he's up there with Alexander-Arnold 
world in terms of uh, key passes and uh, crosses across the box. He's the only defender that really stays up there now that Alonso has lost his crown as the sort of inside forward of the left-back world. Um, he's, he's the strongest on paper. There's a question about whether he reclaims his place. The head says, wait another week to be certain. Uh, but the heart says, you know, just go for it. We're playing this to have fun as much as we are to have No, points. we're not. <laughs> it's all um, very serious. Yeah. So if, if you're going for the smart decisions as well, I think everyone's looking to Arsenal at the moment. Uh, there's a bit of concern about Aubameyang because when he plays on the left wing, he's not quite as proficient. But with Lacazette out and a, a great run of games on for Arsenal at the moment, I think they have the strongest run of games across the next five game weeks. You're looking at uh, games against Villa, Bournemouth, Sheffield and Palace with only a slightly tricky fixture against United because they're not that tricky anymore. <laughs> uh, I think they're looking really strong. The Aubameyang really cementing that, that centre forward position. Uh, he's got, I think, only one shot and target less than Aguero across this season so far um, when he hasn't already been the guaranteed starter. Uh, so I think he's a very, very strong example to lead. And I myself holding Kane in that position, I think he's probably the better option. Top tips. Kieran, thank you very much for your time. Fergal, Marley, thank you much for your time as well. That is it for Football Social Daily. We'll be back tomorrow morning with a full preview of every single Premier League game. Make sure you hit subscribe so you get that show as soon as it's ready and we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.